Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. All right, good to see you all today. Oh man, we are in a series called At the Feet of Jesus, and it's been one of my favorite things to teach on and our team. We've had just such a great time um, teaching this space. Didn't Mariah do a great job last week if you were here? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I still have the passion of our, our life at, the, at his feet in worship. And uh, today we're going to dive in. I, I really kind of had a whole nother direction I was going to go until this morning. I just felt the Lord just really lean on me to kind of go a specific way this morning. And um, it, uh, yeah, it's kind of heavier than I was imagining. But hey, that's good, right? <laughs> Heavy is good. God's going to do something in your heart today, I hope, and, and see a shift or a deeper understanding of who you are at the feet of Jesus. We're going to really look at our life born again at the feet of Jesus. How are we born again at his feet? And we're going to look at his life when he was crucified and he was on the cross. What did the disciples see in that place? And what did they see after he was resurrected? So one of the things about the resurrection that's so important for us to understand is what this passage tells us and teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is that without resurrection, the sacrifice or who Jesus is really means nothing. I want you to hear this. There's no other religion that claims that their God came, lived, and died for them. And then rose again to make that sacrifice real and alive. That nobody cla- even claims that. Like every other religion's like, hey, you know, I'm going to come down and then I'm going to put you to work. It's like, this isn't awesome. I promise you. All the other religions are like, hey, here's a bunch of more rules for you to follow so then you can measure up again and be okay and good enough to come in and, you know, have the good stuff. We serve the real God, the one true God. And he truly was risen. He truly was risen. And his resurrection means something to you and I. And that's the piece that I feel like God wants us to really get deep down in our souls is that we understand that he, why, how he was risen and why he was risen. It just, again, deepens our love relationship and the weight of the love that God has for each one of us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. But then, or but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And we apostles would be all, all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. See how important the resurrection is? If he doesn't raise, then you and I are all still guilty of our sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, We are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Got to know the truth. 
The truth is that we serve a God who is alive. He did die, and him dying was so important. He had to die. And, and, and sometimes we can get caught wondering, like, why in the world would God himself or anyone have to die, for that matter, to be able, for us to be able to experience uh, real life or forgiveness of sin or why did God have to do this? Now, th- this is gonna, we're going to lay some groundwork for where we're going to talk about and see Jesus crucified and the resurrection. We're going to see it just a little deeper today. But we need to lay a little groundwork and we find this in Hebrews chapter 9. Right? So stay sharp. We're going to go deep. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Pause. There was an old tabernacle that God gave instructions to Moses to build a specific way, and then he gave also instructions on how to present sacrifices for sin so that people could get at least to even ground. They could offer sacrifices if they did it in the right way, and then they would find themselves, okay, at least forgiven. But there was a huge process that had to happen, and it was through the blood and the water of other uh, animals that were sacrificed for the sin for people. But that had to happen over and over again. And God gave the instruction, but man built it. But this says that Jesus did not go in to a man-made temple. He literally went into heaven. He did not go in to something that we created for him. He went directly into a heavenly space Verse 13, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Verse 15, for this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of one who made it, of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when someone has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was put into effect. Uh, This is why the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water and scarlet wool and the branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scrolls uh, uh, scrolls and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled the blood with both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It's a lot of stuff here. But once you get this, 
There was a will. See, if, if someone doesn't die, you don't get what's in their will, right? In a will is like all the stuff that they've saved up and prepared for you to get when they pass away. And I know if some of you were here, okay, if you had like a rich, super rich dad, you wouldn't be like, hey, dad, I can't wait for you to die, right? But in the back of your mind, you'd be kind of like, hey, when dad dies, I won't get a lot of stuff. <laughs> Come on now. He's telling me, be honest now. Jesus died for liars, okay? But just don't, his blood covers it all. You don't have to be one today, okay? The reality is, is even if you were like, uh, when you get the will, it is actually an honor for the person's life. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with when you get the will of, of, of someone that passes on and they, when they open up, they read their will and they're like, I wanted to bless you with all my things that I worked for and got for you. It, receiving that is actually an honor to their life and a tribute to their life. It isn't like greed, I can't wait till you die because you, know, you grieve the loss of the person but then you get something that they leave on for you. This is a crazy thing is that it, for the will to be enacted, that someone had to die. And the, the thing that no one really understood is that Jesus, God himself, had written a will for his people, for his kids. And it, written in that will was this crazy huge blessing that none of us could have ever imagined that was going to be in there. And it was just jam-packed full of ridiculous blessing. And when all these disciples and people are looking at Jesus and he's up on the cross and he's dying for, dying for them and they're just trying to wrap their head around what's going on, they don't realize that Jesus has literally written a will and he's about to uncover it for them. But he has to die so it can be released. It's amazing. But in this is is this crazy thing that happens is they take this hyssop branch and they use the hyssop branch, blood, and water, and it happens over and over and over again. You can find all kinds of places in the Old Testament where it, to become ceremonially clean, they took this hyssop branch, water, and blood of whatever animal was, being, uh, was dying so then the will could be enacted and forgiveness for sin could be released. The blessing or, of, of, sin could, could, uh, of forgiveness for sin could come out or made clean, or whatever it happened to be. And like it said there, he said, they just did this over everything. Even the high priest, when he was being purified, to go into the Holy of Holies to get the forgiveness for all the people of Israel, all the children of God. They would do this same ceremony of cleansing with blood and water and a hyssop branch. Watch what happens on the day that Jesus is crucified. In John chapter 19, verse 28, Later knowing that everything had been finished, later knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. So we see Jesus is up on the cross. On it, there's a jar of wine and vinegar was there. So they soaked the sponge in it and put it on a stalk of a hyssop plant and lifted it up to Jesus' lips when he heard, uh, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is amazing 
thing going on right here is at the exact same time that the Pharisees are offering the, for the, the day of atonement, the day for forgiveness of sins, this is the day. And they, they were offering sacrifice with hyssop, water, and blood for the sin of all the people in the man-made temple. At the same time, they sent Jesus off to the hill to go be crucified, thinking they're dealing with him. But at the same time, Someone's taking a hyssop branch, dipping it in water and blood, and giving it water and wine. Wine represents blood. When we take the communion, the wine represents the blood of Jesus. Come on. And they dip it and ceremonially clean him, cleanse him, right before he gives up his spirit. Come on. We serve a radical God. He doesn't miss details. He doesn't miss details. He doesn't miss you. The detail he didn't miss was you. Because on that cross, Jesus was looking at something. The disciples were looking at something. They're looking up at their Savior. They're trying to wrap their head around what's going on. Jesus is watching people sin against him right in front of him, nailing him to the cross, selling and looting his clothing, which was prophesied would happen. They just got done beating and torturing him and they pull him up and he sits there and he looks down and he says, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And you know who he's looking, you know the detail he wasn't missing was you, your name, your face, your soul, me. He's like, this needs to happen. And this moment where this hyssop branch gets anointed blood and water and put to his lips, wine and water put to his lips, Unbelievable. So John 19, 31. Now was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath. And they asked Pilate to have the legs broken of the bodies and taken down. But the soldiers there came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus. And then, though, uh, and then, those of the other, but when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow, look at what it is, of blood and water. Oh, that was probably on accident. Yeah, no, this is not on accident. Come on. He gets anointed just exactly the way ceremonial cleansing would always happen. And then all of a sudden, instead of breaking his legs, which was traditional when they needed to speed up the process, they didn't just stab people. This was, a, this was like God took over said this is the way it's going to be. And it was prophesied in Isaiah that this would happen. The man who saw this is giving testimony. This is John saying this now. And his testimony is true. He knows, he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones would be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Wow. But literally... The disciples are all standing around looking up at their Jesus. 
and they all saw something different. It's John. There's, it's funny thing about at the when you, when you read the Bible, it's like at the these moments, it was like a dude, and then like a whole bunch of Marys. <laughs> Everybody ever get confused like reading the Bible? Like, oh yeah, it's John, and then Mary, 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 and that Mary, and the other Mary, and like a couple other Marys. The one that did this and the other Mary that did that, right? Okay. It's all kinds of Marys everywhere. And uh, so John and a bunch of Marys are all around the cross. <laughs> and they all see something totally different. And John, I mean, John is, John is an interesting character because he's kind of one of these guys that's, I think he's a little prideful, you know? He's always like, when you read the way he writes, it's all like, you know, we went to go see Jesus and, uh, you know, those other guys, they caught up to me once I was already there, you know. And he's always like, you know, the one whom Jesus loved the most. <clears throat> John's a great guy. But I think John truly believed that. And I think Jesus made him feel that way. I think, I think Jesus truly did love John. And, 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 and from John's perspective, Jesus loves me the best. You guys ever feel that way? Yeah, I know Jesus loves you guys, but I'm really the one Jesus loves the best. Come on, man. That's how he loves us. And so John is standing there looking up at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus, his friend, the one whom he loved and God loved him the most, is right there, and he's being crucified. He's like, you're my friend. I'm losing my friend. What is happening? And his mind, I'm sure, was all of these things that Jesus had told him. It's like, it has to happen this way. He's like, I don't get how it, why it has to happen this way. And it's just all the pieces are just trying to come together for the guy. But he goes, and I know he says, Jesus, you are the son of God. He looked at him and he goes, you're my friend. But somehow you're my friend and I know you're God. I saw you feed the 5,000, walk on water, heal the sick, raise the dead. I was there when Lazarus came out of the grave. I know you're God. You're up to something. And I'm watching your blood pour out and the water pour out on the ground. And it's just like what happens in the temple. Something's going on. <laughs> and then Mary, his mom, she was there. Mary unbelievable perspective Mary looking at the feet of her son whom she's the one guys we all believe in faith that she had this immaculate conception that God came in and 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 she was you know with child by the Holy Spirit but I'm telling you Mary's the one who knew she's like bumping around angel comes over she's like hey guess what I wasn't like this but you're good you're going to bear the Son of God. She's like, what? <laughs> Sorry, Lord. You know it was probably more reverent than that. I, I owned a silly interpretation of how Mary encounters Jesus or the angel. She gets pregnant. She's like, okay, that happened by an angel. That was by the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. She knew. And so she's looking. That is my miraculous Son and the Son of God. And she experienced it. She's like, that's my baby on the cross. And I know he's God. And he's right now, he's dying for me just as God said that he would. He was the Messiah to die for the sin of the world. 
and that's happening for me right now. Son of man, son of God, right there. Mary's going, wow, his blood, his water's pouring out on his feet onto the ground for me. Wow. Then Mary Magdalene, we know she was there. And Mary, to God, Jesus, to her, was God, the deliverer. She had seven demons. That's not awesome, by the way. One demon would be bad, but seven would be really bad. Seven times as bad. <laughs> Say, I don't know how to do math. <laughs> Seven times as bad, right? Mary Magdalene, she looks at Jesus. She's, this poor girl, man, she had just been through the ringer, just abused and, pre- and, and oppressed. But this gal, she knew how to worship. She knew how to love God. She knew how to sit at his feet and learn and, and grow from him. She got the best from Jesus because she worshiped him. She loved him. And maybe that other Mary was there because they say there's a bunch of other Marys. There's other Mary there that was possibly that Mary that was caught in adultery and thrown out before everybody and in front of Jesus. And Jesus just shows her mercy. And then she goes and worships at his feet and breaks that alabaster jar and just worships him and just cries. And she goes, oh my gosh, I was worshiping you and now here you are. On the cross for me, blood being poured out. Well, one of the most amazing parts of this whole story is the Roman soldiers that are standing there around. And they're like, you know, these guys are just working guys. These are just average Joes, right? These guys work for the Roman government. They're, not, they, they're, not, they're in Jerusalem not because they're Jews or that's the promised land. They're there because their job is to conquer the world and take it all over. And they're like, hey, Tony, we're just going to work today, right? Yeah, I don't know, Bob. What do you want to do? I'm just going to get up. You know, I, My wife packed me my lunch. You know, I'm going to go punch the clock. I'm going to go do it. Okay, what are we doing today? Let's look at the list. Oh, oh, we're doing some crucifixions. Okay, doing some crucifixions. All right, all right, you know. Just another day in the coal mine, you know. <laughs> yeah, Tony. Um, I remember that last time we were doing crucifixions. Oh, man. Hope it's not a day like that. I mean, Romans are weird, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, this was just their regular job. It's, yeah, I just going to go crucify some people today. <laughs> they didn't know what they are doing. This is why Jesus goes, forgive them. These guys, these Tonys and Bobs, they don't know what's happening. Just down there just doing the job, you know. These guys are like kind of bump along like, hey, you know, hey, you'll pass me in the nail. Yo, okay, hey, you know, let's stand this guy up. A pilot says you got to put this sign on top of his thing. It says, king of the Jews. Can you believe that, huh, king of the Jews? And you stick it on there. Okay, Bob, you hoist them up there. And then everything goes dark. At noon, hey, Tony, uh, you know, this guy, uh, this ain't like the last ones we did. <laughs> I mean, uh, did you notice that the lights turned out like in it's noon? Yeah, that's different. That's different, Tony. Uh, maybe uh, I'm not sure about this one, okay? <laughs> Oh, okay, well, I don't know what else to do. We just, 
You know, he's just going to keep doing the same thing, I guess. And then, hey, you know, we got to sell his clothes. I mean, we got to make decide what we're going to do with these. And they're like doing that. And all of a sudden, he gives up his spirit. And he says, it's finished. And at that moment, the ground itself begins to shake. And then it says the ground, it splits open, rocks burst open. Bang! Hey, uh, Bob, <laughs> I'm really not sure we did the right thing here. And in the temple, where the Pharisees decide they're not even going to show up to the thing that they set forward. They're like, nah, no, no thanks. I'm going to stay in the temple. They're in the temple offering their sacrifices. And all of a sudden, the, 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 holy t- the curtain that separates them from the holy place to the holy of holies tears right in two and peels open. They're like, ah. Oh. Wait a second. They're like, do I run? What do I do? Because if they ever went into the Holy of Holies unclean, they would die instantly by the power of God's presence. And that thing just splits open. They're like, "Ah, what do I do? What just happened? And they had been going on for thousands of years offering sacrifices, and they didn't realize it, but they sent the one true God to the hill to be sacrificed for their sin. And he was ceremonially clean, made perfect, and his blood had just spilt out, and he had just finished saying, it is finished. And that curtain was no longer needed. Come on. Just open right up. Like, what do we do now? They had no clue what was going on. The whole thing starts to shake, splitting open, things are tearing in half. These soldiers are there, the Pharisees are over in the temple, the soldiers are standing there by Jesus, and they're going like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure right now we were not supposed to do that. And in fact, they gather together and they go, I think that was the Son of God. Can you believe it? They stand there and they go, that must truly be the Son of God. Now I'm telling you, when God shakes the earth, people wake up, they start to listen. I don't know if it was a 7.2, a 9.6, whatever it happened to be, but we know earthquakes get your attention, right? These guys felt the ground shake, lights turn out. You know what else? And his tombs start popping open, and dead people start coming out of the grave and wandering around. It's like, there's Aunt Rita! You, we buried you three years ago. You're like, what in the world is going on? Listen, Jesus, his, the power of his blood coming out causes dead things to come alive. Come on. He, you and I, when we stand at the feet of Jesus, every single disciple, the, 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 the working man, the Roman soldiers, to the Pharisee, to Uh, The disciples whom loved him and were confused. And his mom who birthed them and was like, how is this miracle happening? Every single one of us have some things in common at the feet of Jesus as we look up. And he truly is the savior of the world. He is the savior of all of our sin. His blood poured out for all. Truly, 
He is the Son of God. Hebrews 9.23 says this. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Come on. Just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. <laughs> One sacrifice for all, to end all sacrifice. This is why it had to be God. It had to be him, because God is eternal. And for, for resurrection, like we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 12, for, for salvation to be permanent and lasting, it had to be resurrected, it had to be eternal, it had to go on and on and on. So Jesus, God himself, dies perfect for all our sin, then raised, he's raised to life, so now he is the living sacrifice. That's why resurrection is so important. Because he's alive. That means his sacrifice is alive. Permanent for all and all time. He doesn't have to go in. Because it wasn't someone else's blood. He didn't go in with someone else's blood. And he didn't go into a temple. He went into heaven. And he brought it in front of the Father God. And he said, it is finished. Done. He goes, you know that temple thing. Let's go shake the earth and go tear that thing in. Which angel got to do that? He's like, I want that job. Goes into the holy holies and goes, let's tear that thing down. Cuts that thing right in half. And now, forever, Hebrews says this. We could read so many passages in Hebrews over and over. And just, we get the opportunity now because of that blood and water that was spilled out by the living God for us. We get to enter into his presence with boldness, continually, not worried about our sin. You get to walk into the holy of holies, dirty, pig sloppy, whatever sinful, average working Joe, whatever you come from, you're just like, hey, Jesus, I just need some of your love today. And he, perfect, sinless, forgiven, for eternity. You're like, oh, Jesus, I did it again. There I go again. The next day, there I go again. Oh, that same thing again. How many of you know our struggle with sin is just, oh, there I go again. If you're like me, there I go again. 
But he appeared once for all. The culmination of the age to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Sometimes we like say this stupid stuff like, where do I go crucifying Jesus all over again? You don't get to crucify him again. Your sin is not big enough to outweigh his sacrifice. Once for all. And that might be hard for our heads to get wrapped around, but it is the measure of his love for us. When he was on the cross, he wasn't just thinking, oh, I don't know what I'm doing today. He's thinking about you. He was thinking about me. And he was thinking about that thing you were going to do over and over and over again. He goes, listen, just keep your eyes on me and on my sacrifice, and you keep coming boldly into my throne, and I'm going to wash that sin away. So Christ, verse 28, was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Where are you? Are you waiting? Are you waiting for him? Look at the Marys. I love the Marys. This is hundreds of Marys. It's like, what are we going to name our kid today? I don't know. Let's name her Mary. That's what they did in the Old Testament, right? I got this really great idea. Oh, I just love the way that hymn sound sounds. Maybe just Mary. Oh, yeah, let's do Mary. Like their new babies, they haul them out in the streets. They're like, oh, oh I got my new baby. Like, hey, you got a new baby. Yeah, I got a new baby. You got a new baby. Oh, it's great. What'd you name her? Oh, you know, Mary. Oh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Hundreds of Marys. Never just shout into a crowd, Mary. You get like 20, 30 women if you're in the time of Jesus. Okay, maybe that's a good way to get them. I don't know. Matthew 28, look at what happens when the Marys, the cool Marys, they get to go out here and Mary, and Mary, verse 1, at the Sabbath, at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, see, went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow, and the guards were so afraid, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and he's going on ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And now I've told you. <laughs> so he's like, punch a clock, I'm out of here, right? I did my job, I told you. Go get a sandwich, okay. So the women hurried away from the tomb, yet afraid and filled with joy. And watch what happens. They ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greeting. What's up? He goes, hey. He said, <laughs> they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to, Galilee, uh, to go to Galilee. There they will see me. These two women, the first people to encounter the resurrected Jesus, and guess what they do? They don't miss their opportunity. Marys know what they're doing. If you look in the Bible, all Marys know what they're doing. Am I right? Where's there a Mary that goes wrong? No. Nope. Name your kid Mary. They're going to go right. I think that's one of the things we're learning. Okay. 
all the Marys do something cool. And so these two Marys, they jump at his feet. And they worship him. And if there are any of the Marys that we hear the other stories about, they knew how to worship Jesus, but they had never worshiped the resurrected Jesus. The Jesus who was dead and forgave their sins and now came alive. This Jesus had something else on him. And that experience they had right there, when you worship the resurrected Jesus, the living God, something happens inside of you. Something changes inside of you because now he paid for the price of your sin. He tore the veil and now you can go in. This is the moment they truly got saved. Because they could be saved. Because he paid for their sin. They believed before, but now they're saved. When you come to the feet of the resurrected Jesus, all sin is forgiven. Come on, all sin is forgiven. Not just one time, but for all ages, over and over again. Those Marys can't out Jesus. They're in heaven now with him, forgiven. Without resurrection, there is no forgiveness. But I tell you this today, Jesus is alive. He is risen. And you have the opportunity to dive at his feet like any of those disciples and like those Marys and jump at his feet and just worship the resurrected Jesus. And you get all the power, you get all the blessing, all the forgiveness, all the favor that he poured out on anybody, it comes for you. The Bible says this, that the way that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sin. Every single one of us has missed the mark. There isn't any one of us that hasn't done that. Me included. I got piles of sin. The wages of that sin, the price for that sin is death. Eternal separation from God. And there is nothing you and I or anyone else could ever do besides God himself to overcome that weight of sin, that wage, that payment of sin. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the true Son of God. And through him, he offers eternal payment for your sin, not from someone else's blood that he has to go in over and over again, not from yours, not from some religious tradition where you gotta go in and be right and make yourself right and clean yourself up over and over again and again so that you can be okay. That's not the God we serve. We serve a God who's truly your friend. It's like John. He sees you and he goes, you're my favorite. Don't tell John. You're my favorite. And he makes you feel that way because it's real to him. It's real to him and it's real with you and him if you allow it to be. And he says, I did something for you. I was the fully God and I came and I became like you. I became like my creation. I made myself like you. And I came through this Mary, my mom. And I'm the son of God and I am the son of man. And I was perfect. And I was risen. I was lifted up, broken. And I offered my life as a sacrifice for yours. And I allowed them to pierce my side so that my blood and water would spill out and I would be ceremonially clean, made perfect for your sin, as an offering for your sin. And I brought that blood and that water to the Father and I said, here it is, the full payment for all sin of all time, for all creation. Let's go set him free. The Bible says, whosoever believes in his name will be saved whosoever, that's everybody. All you have to do is choose it and believe in your heart, Jesus, your God, 
fully God and died for my sin. That's it. Believe it here, I say it here. Believe it in my heart, say it with my mouth. Instantly saved. Brought into the power of God's presence, right into the holy of holies. In an instant, you don't have to clean up. He cleans you up. Because his power is that big. His love for you is that real. And it's that big. And there's nothing you could have ever done that would keep you from that love relationship with God. Don't believe it from anybody else for a second. I want to give you an opportunity today. If you are like, I want to give my life to Jesus. This is the kind of God I want to serve. Is the God that just laid it all out there for me. I want to give you a second to pray that. But if you also have never received Jesus, or you have never received Jesus, I want you to pray. But if you are just ready to turn your life back to Jesus, this is a perfect day. Say, okay, here I go again, back to my same stuff, but I'm running back to you, Jesus, because your love is just that good and that big for me. Will you close your eyes with me for just a moment, if you could, just all around the church. I want to give those of you that are ready to turn your life back to Jesus or declare Jesus as Lord of your life and receive the forgiveness for your sin. It's going to be simple. You believe in your heart. Pray with your mouth. You don't have to go anywhere. I'm not going to ask you to get up out of your seat. I just want you to just stretch your hand up in the air so I know who I'm praying with. Anybody here, Jesus, I'm ready to receive you. I want to give my life to you. Just go ahead and stretch your hand up so I can see your hand. Thank you so much. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Anybody? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. That's awesome, guys. Tons of people raising their hand, giving their life to Jesus. Awesome. Very good. Just one more second. Anybody else here? Jesus, I want to receive you. Great. Let's pray this. Say, Jesus. Come on, you want to give your life to Jesus? Do it, do it big. Jesus, I believe you're God, and you died for my sin. I accept your payment. Forgive me of my sin. Set me free. Fill me with your love and your Holy Spirit. Change me forever so I can live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate a little bit. A bunch of people giving their life to Jesus today. Come on, you serve a risen God, a risen, alive God. And that gift for you is real and it is permanent. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.